to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. And today on the show, I have with me um, audio producer at 88.9 Radio Milwaukee. <laughs> and uh, she is uh, here uh, to talk about her passions, her creativity, and what she does, what she does, a little bit about herself and her background. Um, and I'm excited to talk to her because we've been planning this for a long We've been time. Planning this so. for a very a few months now. Yes, since last year, I can officially say that. Oh, yeah. Right. Yes, I remember the exact date. Do you? I do. <laughs> so, Salam Fatire, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it's good to see you. How are you yeah, doing today? I'm good. Today's been a good day. Yesterday's been really gloomy. It was. It was like. Uh, yeah, it was, it was yeah, muddy and gross. It and was very emo. Very so very emo. emo. So, so emo. To right. get any bit of sunshine, um, I'm happy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like we were saying <clears throat> before we started recording, like today was one of those. Yeah, like it for me today was one of those days where. Like, I had no concept of, like, what it looked like or how it felt outside. Because I was just inside all yeah, day. I've been there. And, uh, like, y me greeting you just now was the first step I took outside <laughs> of my home. Well, it's, like, 6 20. Yeah. Okay. But, cool. I mean, the, the thing is, though, like, I mean, like, throughout, that's kind of been my week-by-week, week, like, norm because my hours at work got cut. And so I'm only really working on the weekends right now. Okay. And so I haven't really been like, I haven't had too much to do. Like, yeah, but that's kind of good. Well, yeah, you I mean, do, you get to plan your days. But at first, I could yeah. totally see how like you're you have so many free days. You're like, I'm gonna take advantage of this. So I do podcasts, that. right? Yeah. So I do podcasts, and uh, I mean, I have been like. I at least, like, I mean, I'm going to a show tonight. Like, I'll usually have shit to do, like, at night. Like, I'll go to shows. Like, your daytime. Sorry. Yes. Especially since, like, probably everyone's at work. Yeah. Oh, You're right. Like, exactly. Okay, I guess I'll do work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'll research. So, yeah, I'll do my, yeah, I'll do my own, like, uh, the, the work that doesn't pay, but I have fun doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, last night, I went to see Wilco at the Sylvie in Madison. How was that? It was really cool. Uh, I'm from the Chicago area, so like, it was cool to finally see Wilco, like the the acclaimed Chicago alt rock band. Yeah. Was it a packed show? It was sold out. Okay. It was super packed for sure. Yeah. Um, but it was really good. Um, on my way home, uh, we stopped at McDonald's and I had a McFlurry, and I. I I haven't. I don't remember the last time I've had ice cream, but oh, it was so good. I'm just surprised that the machine wasn't broken. The machine Every was not broken. After, like, they're like the machine's broken. Right. I kind of want to be like, let me go in there. Yeah. No. But they, they try to pull some bullshit about this. No two separate orders in one car. Like, what the hell? Like, what's the point? I mean, I no. like I. Like, I mean, I ended up just, like, paying for the whole thing, but come on. Like, that used to be, like, the yeah. dope thing about drive throughs You could do, like, two separate orders, but, I it mean... It shouldn't be that difficult because you like, a different number. So you that's what I'm saying. Number 28. Yeah. yeah. So, what the fuck, McDonald's? What? Oh, okay. <laughs> or that specific Whatever. McDonald's. I mean... It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, I, we're just going to go through the drive through again, you know? I mean, like... Just go through it twice. Like, yeah. is it really like that necessary? But so that was that was yeah, that was my night last night. But I digress. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, what we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And uh, the first time I met you was on July third last year <laughs> because it was at the Holy Pinto Fuzzy yeah, Show. Yeah, I do remember that at the Highbury. And um, I met you because, like, I knew of you. Yeah, you came up to me. <laughs> yeah, because, like, we were mutual. Which is super great. I love when people do that. Oh my god, it was yeah. so nice to meet you. I, well, my friend, we were mutual friends of Emily Cranecastle. Shout out. And, uh, and, like, I mean, I knew Justin Barney. Uh, yeah, he's there. He was there. Um, and, like, he was kind of like, you know, the only person I knew at the show at first, but okay. then I'm like, oh, you're Salam, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, at first I was taking it back, I was like, oh, yeah, I am. But, like, no, you're super cool. 
I, not that many people do that. I feel like people are very scared of like, cause like nowadays, like everyone knows everyone through a digital identity. Yeah. And like people, like I have friends on Instagram that I don't really know in real life, but then it's mm -hmm. kind of weird to make that transition to in real life friends. Yeah. So it's like honestly super dope of you for even just like introducing yourself because a lot of people would not do that. They'd text and be like, oh, I think I saw you. Oh yeah. So, like, right. then why did you say <laughs> yeah. hi? For sure. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that. I, um, like, I don't know. I, I think I used to be like really shy and like awkward about doing that kind of stuff. But since like, from, especially from like doing breaking and entering, doing Mr. Nice Guy, like I started meeting a lot of people mm -hmm. just over the internet anyway. And like, I would just be Facebook friends with people. Like yeah. I, like would see like out in real life and but I wouldn't have met them in person. Mm -hmm. So I figured like, hey, you know, if we are connected already, like we might as well like I might as well introduce myself yeah. and like I wanna like actually get to know you on a personal level. So Yeah, so like at this point, like yeah, like that's it's well, pretty easy for me to do is that. Really small. Like once yeah. you know a few people, especially in these type of friendship groups yeah. or even like networks like you kind of start knowing everyone oh yeah good and bad yeah all right <laughs> yeah yeah but, but, yeah exactly it's like it's it, yeah, it's easy to like make friends mm -hmm. and uh, like meet friends through friends mm -hmm. but also like yeah like the gossip you know like, yeah or like <laughs> start really like oh i already know everything exactly you don't like we just have that assumption right that we're yeah like, it's so small. I want to like explore bigger things. But, totally. You know, yeah. Something. Yeah. So that was yeah. That was my first time meeting you, mm -hmm. and uh, like I know that you do community stories over eight eight nine, yeah. and uh, it seems like you meet a lot of cool people and have like fun, engaging like conversations slash spotlights on yeah. people just doing cool shit. I, I like really take the opportunity to, opportunity to stay curious with all these different types of avenues and stories and organizations because like it's just an opportunity for me to learn but then take the things that I've learned to like spread to Radio Milwaukee and our members but then like even just beyond that mm -hmm. I mean I always say like it's not like I'm trying to be the voice for anyone I'm just trying to like give them their voice and a space for them to actually like speak mm -hmm. whoever that is but yeah community stories is great it's i do like two a week mm. but one thing i really love about writing milwaukee is that i get to pitch my ideas yeah so at first it was kind of just like me dipping my toes in a lot of different things and like trying to figure out where my niche is at but now i feel like i got that covered yeah. and i'm like reporting on things that i have a big connection with Totally. But also like checking myself and making sure that I'm not sticking in one avenue and like forgetting all these other things. But it's been a lot of fun. Mm. I think once you have the basis down, then now I'm like having more fun being creative with them. Yeah. But yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot. It's a little hard sometimes because I ramble when I do interviews. And this is kind of funny that you're interviewing me because I'm used to the other way around. I love interviewing but, interviewers. Yeah. But I go up to an hour and a half sometimes and I'm like, fuck, I got to turn, turn this into a three minute story. Oh, and yeah. I'll like hear myself talk and I'm like, can you shut up? Like, you want me to go <laughs> yeah. on and on? And I'm like, yeah. fast forward what I'm saying. Yeah. But no, it's a fun time. I yeah. totally... I totally get that yeah. like i hearing yourself back oh my god when i'm editing <laughs> episodes like, oh and i'm like can i just shut the fuck yeah, up already like, no yeah, okay. like i've said the same thing three different yeah. ways <laughs> you know like or like i'll hear myself say like like or you know what i yeah. mean a lot and then i just i'm catching myself with the things that i say typically yeah. and i'm like the verbal really crushes. aware of how i talk now yeah which like, I, it's good and bad, because now I know, I like, I have a deeper lens of who I am, but now I'm kind of annoyed with myself, so then I think about what I'm saying as I'm saying it. Yeah. But yeah. it's fine. It comes with the territory. Oh, yeah. Um, absolutely. Like, yeah, I, I, the verbal crutches are, like, the most frustrating part of mm -hmm. editing. Uh, some of them I can edit out, no problem, right. but a lot of them get just so, like, implemented. Yeah. I don't eat my words sometimes, so I'm like, this. I can't even edit this out yeah. because it's you'll it, it'll be awkward if you take it out. Yeah. But then also I narrate my stories, and it, at first it would take me forever, and I'd be like, for example, like a word like while, 
and I'll hear it again. And I'm like, why am I saying that word weird? Mm -hmm. But it's not even that weird. I'm just like paying attention to it. And then I'll be like, okay, I've been in this room for 30 minutes. Let me just like do another take. Yeah. And it's always the one that I like kind of don't really think about the most. That's the one I always like do. Mm -hmm. Like I actually use that edit. But yeah, at first it used to be like a big struggle because I would want to be very perfect with my narration. But now you can like see that if you hear like my first story and now you can see more, you can hear the relaxation a little bit. Mm, yeah. Rather than you like being nervous. Totally. And not like, <laughs> enunciating all the words correctly. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And like you learn you can say more with less. Like, yeah. I feel like, um, I mean, yeah, studying journalism definitely taught me that, mm -hmm. that like you can just get to the point with and being succinct yeah um no i agree yeah um so you're so you're, you're uh still at uwm yeah so i'm a senior right now for journalism nice yeah so shout out to jams yeah shout out to jams i love that it's called jams because before i was like at uwm I, to, I thought that was like a music thing yeah and i was like oh no it's not but yeah the final stretch right now very nice well that's exciting it is it is so yeah i guess um so I guess I'd love to hear to start uh, with, I guess, like what, where your interest in doing like journalism and community storytelling, where did that sort of like uh, start? Yeah, well, I've always kind of, like, I've always been a storyteller and like, I do a lot of digital art, I do a lot of poetry on the side, I like, I do a lot of like voice recording and things like that. But I actually went to school for nutritional sciences. Mm -hmm. um, and then I remember just being like an oak, an OCHEM. And like it wasn't hard or anything, but I was just like looking at all my peers and I'm like, I do not belong here. So I took a semester off and then I was like, okay, what do I want to do? And I'm like passionate about film. I'm passionate about, um, you know, highlighting marginalized communities, but I didn't really know like what the skill set would be for me to be the best storyteller that I can be. And I was like, why not journalism? Cause that really teaches you how to be ethical with your words. Mm -hmm. um, which kind of was scary because I, I did have that insight before that it's like, oh, it's like a dead career, you know, newspapers, like they're no longer, but now that I, I'm in it, like, do so many different things. And the medium is changing and will continue yeah. to change. And now I feel like it's very important now because there's a distinction between entertainment and news and people don't really understand the difference with that mm. um, because there's so many outlets there for expression. But yeah, so I don't really consider myself a journalist right now, because especially I didn't like graduate, but like definitely a storyteller and living overseas in Palestine and Palestinian and seeing a different way of life really opened my eyes and said that these stories need to be told. And like story, you've always told stories, whether you're on the kitchen table, you're on a campfire with your friends late at night, even just like expressing yourself in your journal, like that is the medium of expression oh, and yeah. it's at its simplest. Oh, yeah. yeah and growing I just up, love that. Yeah, like growing up, my family, we always ate dinner at the table at night, and we went around the table, and we had to each say, like, <laughs> a good thing and a bad thing okay, that, that happened in, in our days. Like, the best part and the worst part. And yeah, like, you're right. Like, that is on a very, like, you know, in a simplistic format, it is storytelling, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, uh, like, even when it feels so like bland and un uninteresting, it's like you never know what could intrigue somebody. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the cool thing about yeah. yeah, like hearing stories from people in the community. And it might like, you know, to you or me, a story can be bland and uninteresting, but at the same time, like you said, like it can grow to something bigger or it can, like someone in a different walk of life might find that very interesting or like, yeah. like affects their life. Yeah. And like, who am I to say this is important or this isn't important? Right. Yeah. Because you know, I'm just like then relying on my own taste, but not being unbiased. Yeah. It's amazing how yeah. one person like it could be something that, like, it could be something they said that's very simple or something that's been said by so many other people. Mm -hmm. But if maybe a specific person says it like in a certain way, mm -hmm. like it can mean so much. Yeah. Think of the phrase "I love you." You know, like. That phrase, like, you can throw that around to, like, your friends, your family. Like, it can be, like, almost, like, just a very, like, simple way of, like, show, de demonstrating your affection or appreciation for somebody 
or something. But if like that person, if that one person says it, it can mean like you can feel so fulfilled in a way you've never felt before, you know? And yeah. There's like a heaviness to words when yeah. someone uses it. Like at the, if you really think about it, it's like a puzzle piece. But like when you have them aligned and like right. you're saying a phrase, that's the most impactful thing. Yeah. I mean, and also at the same time, like when you like read something or you hear something and you're taking away from a story, it's always the simplest things. Like, I, uh, like for me, quotes are my favorite things. Because things stay with you, and then yeah. that's how you go back to things rather than like numbers and statistics. But no, I agree. Totally. Hearing "I love you" by the person that you want to hear the most. You could be like, oh, God, yeah, you're like, okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. So you already know that, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You've been new. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, how did you get involved with eighty nine? Well, I started as an intern for Justin Barney. I remember being- Shout out to Justin Barney. Yeah, just, yeah, because everyone goes under him for the internship. Mm -hmm. But I, I was at UWM and I didn't really want to work. I didn't want to intern for some place that is a commercial um, radio station, but I also loved Radio Milwaukee for its ties with the community. Like yeah. it, it just, it feels so, even before I started working there, like it was a different feel than anything that I've seen, at least in Milwaukee and the connection to local artists and things like that. And I honestly didn't even think I was gonna get it. I was like, let me just um, apply. And then I got, like I went to an interview. I remember feeling so nervous and he, I think he offered me water, but I said no and then I regretted saying no because, because I was so nervous. Like I just lost so like, my saliva was gone and I was like my I was just like I don't know, it was super awkward. But I don't think he realized. Like it was just in my mind. And then when I got the internship, I was like, Oh, okay, cool, I guess I nailed that because yeah. from my end I failed. <laughs> but yeah, um one thing I really like about Idiot Nine is that you can like even I was even though I was Justin's intern and I did the the tasks that were provided mm -hmm. you can go to any avenue in any department so if yeah. you're interested like i was super interested in the community stories team and at the time laura and bianca were there and they like shout out to laura yeah. and bianca so great and their new business yeah bianca's the media. best yeah, yeah they're both so great laura's super talented she'll be here in a couple weeks really yes okay so aisha will be here next week <laughs> are they gonna be in this chair yes <laughs> cool everyone share me in the same oh, chair. Nice. Um, a chair is... Wow, honored. Yeah, it's like a throne. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then I remember, like, I was like, hey, if you guys need any help, and then I would, like, tag along, and there were, like, shoots, and then a position opened, and I applied, but I also did an audio story before I was, like, before my interview, and I, like, went into the interview, and I was like... I already made a community story and they like all listened to it but it was super nervous because like when people listen to your work and it was really good apparently and they put it on air. What was um, it about? Ramadan. So it was around oh, the time yeah. like right after Ramadan and I interviewed my friend and like we talked about the importance but also at the same way as like the lessons that you take from it mm -hmm. which is about like like a lot of people think there's a misconception that Ramadan is like, so you can feel for the poor. Like, I think that really takes away from it because you're fasting for like whatever, 12 hours, but then you're gonna have a big feast with your family and friends. And that's how you're gonna feel for the poor. I think it's just a place, it's like a, it's a restart. Yeah. You're really thinking about yourself, your year, um, you're putting these goals, you're putting these lessons of self-control and like kind of disconnecting from the material world. So the story was basically about how people can take those lessons, but then continue it on for the year. Because it's easy when you're doing it with your family and friends and with the community. But like when that time is done, are you going to take those lessons and continue them? Or are you just going to wait until next year it happens again? Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was really, that was the first story. And we've been here. I think I've done over like 80 now. Oh, shit. Yeah. Time goes by. Yeah. <laughs> time goes by. Yeah, well. But... Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's cool that like 88.9 granted you like no, they're amazing. that creative control Yeah. Like from the get-go. I, I honestly don't think any other place would have done that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously there we have meetings and like I talked to Nate, the content director, and we, you know, go over what like what story should be told and maybe things that you shouldn't really report on. But as long as they align with our mission, and I feel now that I'm super close to it and like I live it day to day and everyone at 89 is so friendly and amazing, 
that it's it's really easy to like figure out what we're trying to do yeah you know yeah totally yeah, yeah like everyone seems so unique there like i i love the work 889 does it's such a cool place too yeah like, oh it's great I feel like when i look around i'm like i can't believe oh I work yeah here. dude yeah like everyone comes from like you know totally like like different backgrounds and different expertises like i got coffee with aisha <laughs> recently and isn't she amazing dude she is badass she kills it you know like she and she has so many cool ideas of like how she wants to like integrate the creative scenes in milwaukee yeah, we talked about that you know she does <laughs> I, like she does like fucking salmon fishing and like yeah she was like a park ranger yeah park ranger yeah i believe so she was lord's manager like yeah. dude aisha yeah, is dope she's great she she's is also so cool. like like you would think when you hear these things about a person you're like oh they might like they might come off like they're better than everyone yeah. else, but she's so humble and so great. And, and she wants like, to hear everyone's yeah. story themselves. Yeah. You she's, know? I love her. Yeah. Big yeah. shout out to Aisha. Shout out to everyone. Shout out to all 889. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. though, like, it's, yeah, like, um, yeah, like, I, I love 889 just, yeah, for doing, like, that community work and mm -hmm. cultivating, yeah, just, like, a feeling of, like, belonging for its listeners and its supporters yeah. too you know like the events that like 889 sponsors mm -hmm. and you know the work you do with the community stories is like it makes people feel seen and heard mm -hmm. yeah you know i agree and i mean not to like diss any other organization because there's so many great ones in milwaukee but i just feel very lucky to be there because yeah you know, as like a Middle Eastern woman, like a lot of times, like I personally feel that although I have a voice, like it's hard to use it sometimes. Like there's always people that would want to bring you down and that's never been the case there. Mm -hmm. Like I feel treated like as I should, but as an equal, like kind of what I have to say is of importance. Mm -hmm. I mean, just recently we did um, a whole program on Sunday, like Dory Zori led it for 15 hours. Big shout out to Dory Zori. Have you tuned in for that, or have you? I didn't know. It? Okay, I didn't. I mean, we'll, we'll hopefully we have like a, a web post about it. Cool. But on Sunday for International Women's Day, it's everyone um, from the organization that wanted to be featured in it like highlighted either fifteen minutes up to an hour of artists, um, international women artists around the world that they wanted to highlight. So I highlighted Middle Eastern artists from like Fayrouz to Shirin to Majdal Rumi. And it was just like the fact that I could do that and that I can play my favorite songs on the radio and hear my coworkers share their favorite songs and why it was important. I mean, yeah, oh, it was great beautiful. time. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's awesome. Tune in next year then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, we got next year. Yeah. But I will look for it. Yeah, on yeah, the website. for sure. When it's on. So, yeah, like, what are some other, like, uh, so I mean, obviously you've done 80 of <laughs> give or take. So, like, you do have, like, you know, an extensive repertoire of stories that to pick from here but yeah. like what are some it doesn't feel that way though <laughs> I yeah, think it's still fresh I guess yeah. like what are some examples of ones that like particularly impacted or moved you well just like last year I did a story about a second generation Hmong um, American I mean Wisconsin holds like the third largest Hmong American mm. group here but I feel like not that many people know about that yeah. and even when I was like looking and researching like I couldn't really find a lot of information but that just just hearing someone speak about their experiences and share their beautiful culture but then also their hardships of coming to it like being in America and being a second generation um, Hmong American that just I felt so fulfilled doing that. We had a Communities Live event where um, she got up and she spoke about her experiences and she kind of cried, which was like, like the fact that that also impacted her and she received so many phone calls and like people in her community saying, I think I heard you on the radio. Um, that was a great opportunity. I just this year, I uh, highlighted Bougie Berries. It's a black owned business. Oh my god, oh, wow. <laughs> eating that cupcake oh, just shit. changed my life. It was like a strawberry nice. shortcake cupcake, but oh, also yeah. like interacting with people around Milwaukee. Um, yeah, I, it's hard to pick one or two, but those are the ones right now stand out. But, you know, I feel like I have like a responsibility to treat every story equally. Like someone's giving me time mm. for them to come in and share their story and like 
how dare I if I like slack around and edit like a generic yeah. like copy, you know what I mean, where I'm not really putting my heart in there. So I really try my hardest to dedicate my time and energy and respect to each story that I do. But then at the same time, like, you know, I do two a week. So yeah. then after I'm done with that, I have to go on the next two. Yeah. So it's really, it's nice every once in a while I can like look back at what I've done because it's just super fast. Yeah. I'm that way with my episodes. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like they're all in all good, great stories. Totally. Yeah. Um, what was the most recent one you've done, I guess? Ooh, yeah. I, I reported on uh, Working Moms of Milwaukee. So actually, this Ooh. Thursday, March okay. 12th is Working Moms Day. So this group, uh, it's just a network group. It first started from Susanna and she went, she was like, I want to do an event that working moms can like hang out and especially like make it affordable, um, accessible where there won't be a daycare or anything like that. Where, and it's like free, but also fun where they can like network. And it first started off with them just like walking around the mall with their strollers. And eventually after, I think it started 2017, it just like grew into this like empire of amazing women networking and talking and hanging out and like trying to break stereotypes of what a mom is and what a working mom is and what work is like you know you can't be defined in a singular way everyone defines that differently Uh, so this year they're they were tackling recognition um so they dedicated a day for march 12th to be working mom's day and rather than them putting an event because that's super limiting to someone that's working a nine to five or really can't get daycare they have worked with like an amount like a great amount of businesses that are giving like promo codes or like you know giving someone the opportunity to have like a movie night with their girls just like anything they can do the most simple way or even like extravagant way to like honor the working moms around you that's wonderful it was so great yeah Yeah. i mean every day they should be honored but i think sometimes people i think a lot of times women and like when you become a mother those lines get blurry on what it means to be a good mom or a good employee and you know now everyone wants to have it all so you want to have you want to be the mom that comes home for dinner and like with your kids but you also want to be the best of like the best person in your career yeah. it's, it's hard it's hard to give yourself to all those yeah yeah oh yeah totally like even just speaking on behalf of like my own experience like my mom she you know she worked like she just worked so excruciatingly hard to like be a positive nurturing mother that mm-hmm. both my sister and I like could feel like we you know were like safe safe and yeah. val- like valued for like what we for who we were and like and that we were allowed to like ask questions about anything mm-hmm. and that we could like you know, chase after what we believed in and not any, with no, like, preconceived paths of, like, what success should be, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but she was also a small business owner, um, you know, she, like, my dad and her, like, they ran a greenhouse for 30 years, and... Was this in Chicago? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is, it, you know, eventually shut down, because it's, it's hard, Mm -hmm. um, but, um, but yeah, like, she like my mom was so present and like she but she also worked really really hard like my parents didn't have days off they worked seven days a week Mm -hmm. you know like and but she like you know there were times when i was a little ass kid you know like being you know a total brat and i was running around making noise and screaming and i'd be coming out like into the like because the greenhouse was on our property like i would be coming out (laughs) and like be like crying to mom (laughs) while she was in the middle of helping customers and she had to like you know balance being a mom with being work yeah it's hard every single day and uh, god nancy nancy was i'm so proud of her (laughs) we're proud of you nancy love nancy i mean i think also like the same time like you know not to disregard dads that work and dads are involved in their kids lives but then mm. they kind of get that praise for being a parent but they also don't get that they don't have that expectation to be there all the time mm-hmm. like for example yeah. we even talked about like if you get a call from daycare and you have a meeting with your boss at 11 30 
like you as the mom are expected to pick up your kid. Like right. the daycare will call the mom first before the dad, and it's just like this expectation that you have to, which is fine, like be a parent first, but then you also are looked down if you're putting your career first or even juggling yeah. both. Like there's always that tug of pool. Or like that. what parent you come to for what way of mm-hmm. being nurtured, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, like challenging those parental roles. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like. You know, it's definitely changing. It, it is shifting. It, yeah. But that's no, it's wonderful. Uh, working Mom's Day, March 12th. March 12th, yeah. I'm really excited about that. Very nice. So, um, Salam, I, so it, as yeah. you mentioned before, so you are from Palestine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I know you were born there, you moved here, you moved back there, yeah, spent some time. So you're bouncing, yeah, like bouncing back and forth. Um, but you've been here, what, since you said junior year of high school? Yeah, so I've been here since 2012. Okay, yeah. sure. So, so uh, are you, what, 24? Yeah. Okay, we're the same age. Nice. Yes. Are you 95? 96. Okay. January 96. <laughs> okay, so you got the cutoff. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, right, I'm a Capricorn. And I'd really love to hear a little bit about your story and your experience like being a Palestinian woman mm-hmm. and uh, especially with like it being a topic that is so like misunderstood by a lot of people that yeah, sure. don't understand like the realities of being Palestinian and mm-hmm. like how much that like identity like is erased and I want and especially be me like being mm-hmm. Jewish and like having been kind of raised with an entirely different understanding of like that topic and how just the Jewish community relates to the topic of Israel and Palestine in general. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's really important to hear yeah. stories like yours. So I'd love well, to thanks. give you the floor. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I don't even know where to begin so we can have, have like a natural conversation about it rather than me like giving like a lecture. But you <laughs> know, I was born in Jerusalem, uh, came back here when I was really young, but then like in, when I was in sixth grade, I went back to Palestine. Um, I lived around Jerusalem area, but then like navigated around the cities um, in Nablus. I don't know if you know, because you said you visited. Yeah, we didn't. There? We spent. Um, we like traveled a little bit into in the West Bank. The West Bank, like we went to Rawabi. Okay. Um, I didn't get a chance to see Ramallah. Okay, that's uh, where my school was. Okay, I've heard Ramallah's really fun. I've heard it's a great time. Yeah, it's a good time. I do want to go there sometime. Yeah, you should. <laughs> I've been to Hebron. Okay, um, I have family there. Yeah. yeah, and I've been to, um, I mean, I've been like into like... Did you go to Bethlehem? We drove through it. Okay. Uh, we've been through like... I don't know if the Negev is like in the West Bank at all, or if it's just in southern Israel. I don't. I guess I'm losing my geography here. Oh, but I mean, it's hard because well, it technically the landscape changes. Well, also the Western Wall is mm-hmm. in East Jerusalem, mm-hmm. so that yeah, like that is yeah. technically Palestine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I've been around, but there's still a lot of it I haven't seen. Yeah, I mean, same for me too. But yeah, I, you know, it's just, it's very, it's, it's, it's kind of difficult to bring myself back there because, you know, I, I grew up here, I was born there, but like my earliest memories are in Milwaukee and I, like, I'm just like every other girl obsessed with Disney Channel, Hillary right. Dodge, American Ashley. Oh yeah. <laughs> just, totally. you know, and then going back, like at first I had such an amazing experience because majority of my family is there and I have so many cousins and it was just like such a great time and being somewhere where you're accepted for who you are but then also you're meeting your family because like we had a few relatives here in Milwaukee but it was never the same where it's like wow I get to like play outside with like 12 of my cousins <laughs> you know yeah. I'm just like yeah. it, it was a great summer it was my favorite times ever and we had like so many fruit trees <laughs> and we like picked the fruit and just like you know, like, a lot of people, like, we were like, oh, you're from America? And they were, like, kind of treat us, like, I remember someone said, like, oh, say hi to Shakira, because they thought we were neighbors, like, they have this idea of what America is, so, like, it was kind of nice, we were, like, treated like celebrities for some people, Mm -hmm. um, and then, like, we lived there for six years, and that changes, you know, you start realizing that you are an open-air prison, and I went to an American school, I was very fortunate to be going to Al-Najah, um, school, because, it's so expensive to go to a private school there and the fact that my family put my education first and like knew that I still wanted to do 
like an American curriculum. So if I come back here and go to college, I would have wouldn't have a struggle. Um, but you know, when you're in sixth grade and you're becoming like you're going through that transitional phase, but then you're realizing that you're surrounded by walls. Like in order to go to school, we had to take we took a two hour like route and you'd go through checkpoints and that was really scary. I remember a few yeah. times like I didn't even have my identification card and we were like faced with guns and like just treated like we weren't people. Mm -hmm. And that's insane because then I also had a memory of like how America was and like I never was treated like that. I mean, I know around like there's that whole fear around like 2001 with 9-11. We had to like change like schools and like neighborhoods. But like I never was treated just because of like how I looked or even just being a Palestinian person. Like you just are disregarded fully. So I became like, I used to be like such a loud kid and like really full of life. But then slowly I just started realizing that I would like diminish and I wouldn't like, like I got like fear of like public speaking or even just like sharing my thoughts. Um, but at the same time, there were so, so many great memories. I made long-lasting friends because of like the limitations. You're so full of life. And like in Nablus and in Ramallah, it's like safer than like America. Like you're trusted to go around late at night and walking around as long as you're not near the checkpoints or um, the borders. But yeah, and like there's so much culture and so much beauty. The food. The food's so, so yeah. Good. Oh my god, yeah. so good. I'm allergic to sesame seeds though, so oh, I've never damn. had hummus. Oh. Or like. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, that bread with all the sesame seeds, gaik. But other than that, like the shawarma there, the knafe, and that. I've. It's like a, it's like a, it's like cheese, and there's like, it's a sweet. Oh no, like, I okay. didn't. I had a lot of shawarma out there, but yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I remember I told we we would wake up like we would have to be at taxi and it was like this four taxi that took us kids from Nablus which is a city um it was like about five of us and we would go to Ramallah and it was a two-hour route drive so we had like the same group of people every single day that would go back and forth and it kind of turned into a family so we'd have to like leave the city at 6 a.m and as like the sun is setting around like 5 30 you would have like your the baker next door and you would like open shop and you would mm -hmm. hear fairies and like the birds chirping and the sky would be like this pink hue and like it's just so beautiful and i remember i used to like this is around the twilight days so i would listen to the yeah. soundtrack which by the way is ahead of its time twilight Damn. whoa <laughs> but i would just be this emo kid like looking yeah. at the sky but I mean, just everyone there is so nice and friendly. I remember telling him that I was allergic to sesame seeds, so I've never had gaik, which is a very novelty, um, like a circular bread and has sesame seeds oh, on top. Sure. Have you yeah. had that yeah, before? Yeah, seen I, it? I know what it yeah. is. Yeah. And the next day, he made me one without it, and I was like, "That's so sweet. You remembered." <laughs> He's like, "I want you to enjoy my 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 creations." So it's like a mixture of feeling because you have. You are constantly told every day, and you're constantly reminded from either, like, even like as simple as like your olive trees being chopped down, or like not being able to go to school, or not even being able to go to the beach, or seeing my family. Like, I have family in Jerusalem, but my dad's from Nablus, so I like have a different identification card, so I can't even like travel 30 minutes to see like my cousins anymore. But then at the other spectrum, you're learning so much about your culture and your your identity, and I would never trade that for the world like those those years even though they were traumatic but also beautiful and heartbreaking like that shaped me so when i came back to milwaukee like i was a completely different person it was more reserved i remember my first year also at the same time i i watched a lot of like tv like for example one tree hill gossip girl so i had a whole oh, different yeah. idea of what high school was yeah, like right. when i went to reagan that was a great school but it was not like tv like i there were like no cheerleaders, there was no quarterback, like I had a, a different expectation of American high school experience. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> but like slowly throughout being in college, I got my voice back and that's honestly one of the reasons why I wanted to become a storyteller because it took a lot for me to even like be okay to even talk about this type of stuff because mm -hmm. for the longest time it's like you're told that you don't you're not a human so like why share your story just like you don't exist palestinians do not exist so therefore your experience is invalid it's like how you know but 
yeah. <laughs> thank um, you. Yeah, thank you for thank you for sharing. Everything. A rambled. <laughs> no, I I yeah. really appreciate you sharing. Like that's that's like that's real shit. That's um, real, yeah. And I, I, you are always dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, like yeah, I remember. So like. Yeah, I I grew up like not. We were talking about this before we started mm-hmm. recording, but like I grew up not very, like close to my Judaism too much. Like I didn't really know too much about Israel. Didn't know too much about Palestine. Like I just kind of like, you know, I I, had a, I basically had a very basic understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was a pretty shy, introverted kid myself. Like I was, you know, I played a lot of video games. Yeah. You know, I. Was <laughs> I was pretty like you know insecure like I was angsty okay. like you know like I I didn't care about much of outside of like much of like what was going on in the world because I was just so consumed with like who the fuck am I yeah and it's I feel like a lot of kids go through that yeah oh yeah, yeah. of course we all do you try to figure yourself out right. before you like dive into it. But the thing is, though, so like I did start kind of exploring like I joined a Jewish youth group in high school. And, uh, like, I did my birthright when I was 18. Okay. And uh, the thing is that you learn really quickly being Jewish and, like, learning about, like, Judaism in the world and stuff is that Israel and Zionism are so normalized. Mm-hmm. We're not taught anything. Like, we're not taught to question it whatsoever. Like, it's yeah. it's not even a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, it. At, like I went because I wanted to learn more about Israel and the Jewish people, like the Jewish homeland. Yeah, I wanted. That's what I went to learn about. I didn't understand my, like, and the way it's kind of like uh, the way it is described, right. like as a country, as a state, is that like all these surrounding countries are like trying to like destroy it mm-hmm. and like all these countries like hate Jews yeah, and like, want to kill Jews. Fear. Yeah, it's a lot of fear mongering. Mm-hmm. And I went two other times after that and that was like, you know, I will openly admit it, like it was there were trips that were basically I mean honestly like pretty much any fucking Israel trip is like this. But they basically try to they do kind of like fearmonger you even more into yeah. believing that like it's us versus them mm-hmm. and all these people want like all these people hate Jews and they want to like kill Jews and they want to like destroy Jewish holy sites and yeah. you know they want to like commit terrorism against um against Israelis and against Jews and you know they like that's that's what we're taught yeah, and even like even like schools in Israel like you like as kids like there's like songs and chants or like about that and like death there are people so even as a oh, young yeah. person it's like I can somehow see like if you're always enclosed in that environment like that you would have that natural fear it's like this boogeyman type right of thing. and we're taught that exact thing that all of these like you know these you know hardlining Zionists mm-hmm. like they hold the beliefs that they claim Palestinians believe about mm-hmm. about Jews, yeah. and like, but I mean, I think what's really a good story. Uh, I don't know if you know who Abby Martin is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Abby Martin does yeah. really good. Has she has a great like, exploitative piece on like how Zionists like in Jerusalem talk about Palestinians and how they talk about you know. Jerusalem mm-hmm. as a whole and like like statehood like of Israel versus statehood of Palestinians and it's honestly like and she's been on Joe Rogan a couple times to talk about it like she, she's like that's a good like that's a story that like needs to be heard by more people mm-hmm. because like those are real stories she's telling like about yeah. people and like about about actual like beliefs harbored by radicalized right wing that believe what Netanyahu's administration is doing, has been doing, is like what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and, like we traveled through the occupied territories. We traveled through, you know, we traveled to the Gaza border. We traveled to 
have grown. Like, you know, yeah. we traveled to a checkpoint. And the whole time, I looked at my friend, one of my friends on the trip, like, when we were there. Because I've been, I went two other times after the birthright trip. We were at a checkpoint at the end of the day, like, watching, you know, taxis full of Palestinians, like, you know, going home after a day of work. And watching them go through, like, with... IDF soldiers, yeah, like with assault rifles, mm-hmm. like it's we look at each other. Tactic to make you like. Yeah, my friend and I looked at each other and we were like, "What the fuck is going on here? Like, what the fuck is this? This, like, and it just it made us question, like things like that make you question everything. Yeah, and uh, I'm interesting. Yeah. I'm interested to see like when you went to the West Bank. You see, you used to went to um, the Khalil, or you used to travel through Beit Lahem. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, what did you see? Like, how did you feel? Was it like that? We're did taught to be afraid. We're taught did you to interact with any Palestinians <laughs> there. Like, how was your experience? Yeah, so that's a good question yeah. because we're made to feel very afraid that like these people don't want to be our friends, or that like these people hate us, or like if we do like if we are walking through one of these villages, like, our safety's in danger. Like, that's how we're taught to feel. And, like, I mean, we did interact with, like, a couple Palestinians. We, like, had a Palestinian tour guide when we went to Rawabi. But, like, at Rawabi was one of the most, like, haunting experiences I've ever, ever experienced. Um, Because, like, it's kind of just the way it was being portrayed to us. The tour guy, like, he was a really cool guy, you know? He was, like... Yeah, like, I'm, it's like, yeah, like, I live here, like, like, I really want peace, like, I support a two-state solution, like, I, you know, just want, like, us to be able to live here and be safe and just be able to have a home, and uh, he, like, made a joke, because there's, like, over a hill away from Wabi, there's a settlement, Mm -hmm. and uh, he was, like, he, like, made a joke about how, like, you know, I just love that we have like a huge, like a giant Palestinian flag that's like, you know, that's blowing in the wind so that like people can, so that that settlement can see it and know that like we're not, that we're still here, that we're not being erased. And the way like people that were like on our trip were talking about that, how they were so disturbed by the fact that he said that, I'm like, what is irrational about that? Yeah. You know, it's like, why, why are you so threatened by the fact that, like, that someone who is of Palestinian descent, like, is not afraid to show his pride in his people mm-hmm. and in his nation? Yeah. Like, and it's like, and I mean, honestly, like, we'd be here for hours to unpack all of this, but like, no, it's a heavy. It is, it is heavy, but. I think, but, and it was a very long journey for me because, like, I used to believe in Israel and, like, supporting Israel. I used to believe in, like, yeah, like, this is our Jewish state and, like, we need, the Jewish people need this. And while, like, I know, like, I've had beautiful experiences out there and there are many Jews that do feel a connection out there, like, at the same time, like, we as a Jewish community, like, we need to really look we need to look really like we need to have like a lot of bold conversation about how we talk about Israel and Zionism as it relates to the Jewish community and how like we need to separate the two because too much like too much of the way like Israel has been discussed in Jewish circles mm-hmm. like conflates anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism. Yeah, I mean, Judaism is a beautiful religion, historical religion, and, like, should never be the same as the identity of Israel, because that's, like, a political agenda, that's a government. Exactly. And yeah. for and for Jewish Zionists, their Judaism is political. And that's, that's a problem, too, you know, is, like, where their Judaism, they... It is... Israel is synonymous with them. Like, they don't separate it. Yeah. And, you know, like, that's a hard thing to talk about for a lot of people. And, like, yeah. I mean, me personally, like, I, like, yeah, like, yeah, like, I've been there a couple times, but, like, I don't have, like, that's not where my Judaism is. Mm-hmm. And it never has been. Mm-hmm. Like, my Judaism is, I mean, I'm more culturally Jewish, like, ethnically Jewish, but, like, 
we need to talk about how the whole concept of Zionism, you know, how what it meant for our people mm-hmm. versus what it meant for another people mm-hmm. that still haven't received reparations to this day. Yeah, and it's like everyone deserves a home and a place to go back to and, you know, it like that's not the conversation. It's like right. but the thing is it's like at what cost? Is it yeah. where you're ethnically cleansing, a genocide, mm-hmm. you know, a stolen land? Apartheid. Yeah. It, that's where it gets really tricky is how can you support that? Right. But it's not about not welcome because like even Palestine, a lot of people do think that it's like for Muslims, but being a Palestinian is no regard of religion like and that's i think people always assume like the middle east is like predominantly muslim yeah but that's where like jesus is from right yeah predominantly christian community oh totally like atheists there are Mm. palestinian jews there too like it's just like i think it gets it's it does become dangerous when you do bring religion into politics and that's everywhere mm-hmm. even not even just here Israel. separate yeah, yeah separation of church and state you know like that's then it becomes super personal to you and then you're backing these ideas because of that fear that mm-hmm. like your identity is being taken away from you yeah but and we have to and and it's not an attack it's not even an attack like attack on the israeli people either like those israelis that actively know what's going on is fucked up it's just hard because you like can go to prison if you don't or not part of the idea yeah you don't go exactly if you refuse service yeah yeah, you get yeah you can go to prison i mean my um my aunt works at that aviv at a school so i've met a lot of israelis that were super kind and like also like didn't see it that way but that's like it's there is even that fear to even have that discussion yeah there. right exactly yeah. yeah and that's why like it's a sensitive subject even to bring up in the jewish community like i can't talk about this with all my jewish friends you know and like it's a heavy conversation it is but it has to be done yeah. um and like you know i and even just the way that, like the jewish community like how they you know just how they've like actively like you know launched attack ads on Bernie Sanders for actively supporting like the Palestinian cause and holding Netanyahu and his administration accountable for their war crimes and their fucking corrupt ass administration like he's still like being like I still like see so much in the Jewish community like or about how he skipped APAC and how he's like being condemned for that and how he's like, you know, being like called a self-hating Jew and shit. Like, that's my favorite. Self-hating Jew. Like, <laughs> like that's just like, it just makes no sense. Yeah. But, but like, yeah, like, cause yeah, like those, those Israeli peace groups that are doing great work, like breaking the silence and center for Jewish nonviolence, you know, if not now, peace now like there's groups that are doing mm-hmm. great work like that are made of jewish israeli palestinian coalitions of people that all know what's going on is fucked up and they work together beyond like breaking those bar- those societal barriers to like love each other mm-hmm. you know yeah and that's you know that's what i think that like, we all really need to be investing in, you know? Mm-hmm. No, 100%. I mean, I can't really speak about how the Jewish community is dealing with it because I'm not tied with that. All of us, at the end of the day, want peace. Who doesn't want that? Right. And I follow so many groups and coalitions and movements that are working on that because it isn't just... Like, a lot of people do think that, you know, it's an issue just in the Middle East, but it travels beyond that. I mean... Right knowing that we aid like america aids a lot of funding to israel Mm. and also like prevents aid to palestine like with the u.s things like that i mean it's just yeah trump fucking cut palestinian aid (laughs) like yeah like just even him saying like for like the capital of jerusalem yeah he's just like right the embassy mm -hmm. like being moved and also how What's also really fucked up that Trump and a lot of his supporters say, like, they, they'll use, they'll 
as a way to uh, claim they're not racist, they'll say they support Israel. Like, do you real? But it's like I feel like it's people. Like, that's the thing. People don't even like know what's going on there, or even have right. like a visual representation of what the day to day look like, what it looks like. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been there. I've also been there. So like, it's 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 a it's a hard conversation to have when all you know is just what you're seeing on the media and like research that other people are shoving down to you rather than yeah. your own investigation. Exactly, and like, yeah. I mean, I guess like. The kind of bottom line for me on behalf of, like, the Jewish side of understanding this issue and, like, coming to terms with it is the fact that, like, you know, anti-Semitism is a really fucking real issue. And it, globally, you know, of course, not a joke. Jews are, like, among the most persecuted minority Mm -hmm. groups in the history, you know? And, like, no one is... Still, like, there are people that are anti-Semitic. Till this day, I oh, mean, yeah. we like have someone at the Bernie Sanders rally with a Nazi flag. Yep, drive. yep, exactly. Um, you know, disgusting. exactly. And honestly, like Christian Zionists are honestly probably the most scary because mm-hmm. they're actually like exploiting the Jewish connection yeah. to the land in order for their own religious benefit of mm-hmm. the second <laughs> yeah. coming of Jesus. Like, no, I what the fuck yeah. are you talking? No, I've had those yeah. But I think, but like my thing is, is just like. You know, while, you know, we as Jews, like, you know, we we see anti-Semitic attacks all the time, like, in our, you know, we, we've seen our synagogue shut up. We've seen, mm-hmm. we've seen our, we've seen Nazi imagery, like, being, you know, graffitied, like, on, you know, places of worship or mm-hmm. houses. That's know? all real shit mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah. everyone needs to fucking understand. And, but as we, as being Jews as we are, you know, as we infiltrate, you know, social justice circles and how we approach intersectionality, we need to know oppression when we see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, 100%. And there's a lot of, the tide is turning. There's a, there's a lot of young Jews that, you know, have been shifting the conversation that are shifting how we are talking about things like Israel and how American, how Western civilization, you know, relates to Israel. Like we are having, we have begun to have that conversation, but we have a long work to do. Oh yeah, God, yeah, it's definitely not going to happen overnight. But having these conversations, like what we're having, or even just meeting a Palestinian or yeah. meeting someone that advocates for Palestinian rights that is Jewish and understanding why they have that perspective that goes a long way. I mean, it, it sounds cliche, but conversations, like having those organic mm-hmm. conversations changes yeah. ideologies. Yeah. Glad we got to do this. Yeah. It's just, sure. Yeah, this has been definitely like, I've wanted to like have a conversation like this for a long time. Yeah. So I do appreciate your like, you know, willingness to talk about something that is so sensitive. It is, and it's like personal. I mean, I, mean, I like, it, it, I sometimes struggle talking about it because I don't want to bring my emotions into it. Yeah. Like I want to come at it like at a logical stance, but it's hard sometimes to cut that part of you, yourself out because mm-hmm. I had experiences in Palestine that are, like I said, very, very beautiful and like powerful and like shaped me. But at the very same time, there's things that I like can't always go into because mm-hmm. it, it's, it's still real. Like right. it, the effects are there. You still have that trauma. You still yeah. have the PTSD. I mean, when there's an air show happening, like yeah. that, like it's so yeah. regular to hear bombs going on and, and gunshots and just like having that heaviness. And I live right next to the lake. So every time there's an air show, like I have that heavy feeling and it's just right. like, it's hard to disconnect myself from that because I still face those things. But at the same time, I'm like very privileged that that's as far as it goes, you know? Like right. being an American citizen and being here in America and like having an education and having a platform to share stories that some people can't do that. Like some people can't even like leave, you know? Right, it's like insane. you think we think about Gaza, you know? Like Gaza is one of the the most horrifying realities like mm-hmm. anyone could imagine, yeah. you know, like, and... And that's like disconnected from the West Bank, so I've never even been to Gaza before, but like I friends and family that are from there, and it's, I mean, when you hear about pe- 
people like even just marching to return and how that whole event happened or even like not having clean water or access to electricity or even going to school like having right. your school being bombed and then how are you going to get an education how are you going to like and you know there's these kids that all they've known is war right exactly like and there's no there's no excuse that the IDF can make for such brute aggression, you know, like there's a fine line between acting in self-defense and like prevention. Yeah, and yeah. murdering yeah. unarmed civilians. Like it happens a lot more yeah. than you think. It's like if you think you've seen it at the news, there's so many like things that are not even disclosed. Yeah, my friend Ari, uh, he works. He's with If Not Now. Um, he worked with uh, Center for Jewish Nonviolence. Mm -hmm last summer he went to you love that organization yeah they're great um he went to the west bank um, with the coalition to repair a palestinian road in the west bank and um the idf accosted them and like told them to move mm -hmm. because it was like a no firing zone and they like moved down the road and then the idf like apparently there were like 30 trucks or something that like approached them mm -hmm. and uh, then they started then things eventually you know escalated like it became physical and there's a video a vi video that went viral might I add of him getting punched in the face by an yeah. IDF soldier like smacked in the face mm -hmm. and he got a concussion yeah and you know check that episode out he was on last summer he talked yeah. about it and uh, if you don't believe him look at his medical bills like, there, there will still be people trying to, like, question the authenticity of mm -hmm. that story. Yeah. You know? Just because they're trying to help. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, but, like, at the same time, there's so many, like... Like, there's this group of, like, young girls that are learning how to skateboard in Palestine, and it's so wholesome. And just, like, seeing the resistance and seeing mm -hmm. the bravery of these young kids, that honestly is so inspiring for me, that knowing that... Being a Palestinian and growing up in that, like, there's no one that can defeat that. Mm. I, I think that's why I always say that I'm Palestinian is because that idea that my identity is being erased. And I see it numerous times where people that are scared to even say they're from Palestine, they'll say they're from Israel, or they won't even, like, they won't even say their, like, name in Arabic. Mm -hmm. They'll use, like, for example, if you're Mahmoud, you'll be called Mike, just so they don't have to deal with that. And that's a struggle. And then I... I, I can see why people do that to protect themselves, but if you ever meet a Palestinian, you'll hear that they're like loud and proud to be a Palestinian, yeah. and I, I love that. I love that about my community. Totally. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wonderful. All right, Salam. Hey. Oh my God. This is... <laughs> I love uh, how short next to you. <laughs> I, tall you were. I'm not that tall. I'm like, I'm, I'm not even six foot. I'm 5'11". Okay. Five 5'7". Five so. Oh, word. okay. Fair. Well, <laughs> Salama, this was so, so great to hear your story. Yeah, this is fun. Uh, talking about 88.9, community stories, Palestinian liberation, um, and just being able... It's, this was also, like, very, like... It was very liberating for me, like, to talk about this, like, as a Jew, that, like, we talk about Israel and Zionism. Like, I, it was a great release for me to be able to talk about, like challenging that yeah. that narrative I, I honestly like appreciate having these organic conversations because that needs to be have like ha people need to have that and here a palestinian and mm -hmm. a jewish man i mean hell yeah what more do you want dream team <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly. so salam as we close out tell me what keeps you up at night Ooh. <laughs> like what scares me <laughs> like in general like in general know. yeah uh what keeps me up at night is just beauty all around artists making things uh yeah. people cultivating the city and the world and knowing that there are people in their own rooms knowing that they're going to make it and they're changing day-to-day -day mm -hmm. things and the idea that anything is possible we love that mm -hmm. we love to see it what puts you to sleep what puts me to sleep the comfort that i have a good support system yeah, Hell my yeah. friends and family, I hold them dear. That's real. Mm -hmm. yeah, I <laughs> Love them. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for being on thank the show. Thank you. I had a wonderful time. Everyone. So, um... Do you have a cl like, closing out statement? 
kind of. Kind of just like. Am I ruining it. this video? No, 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 no. You're doing great. Yeah. You're doing great. Well, um, yes. Uh, check out the community stories. Eighty-eight nine. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, great, wonderful work they're doing out there. Internet or yeah, working moms day. Yeah, March twelfth. March twelfth. This will. This won't. Support your working moms. Do it. Love, love working moms. Yeah. Free Palestine and. Uh, Keep having these difficult conversations about, you know, how uh, the narrative you were raised to believe versus the narrative of somebody else. Yeah. That's important. Till next time, everyone. Till next time. Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next Bye. time.